recovering from some early starts. Welcome to Hunter Pod. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the internet's finest Argentine football podcast. In a hilarious turn of events, um, we went from a planned five recording people this evening to just the normal two of us, uh, because the other three have all had to pull out for different reasons. Um, I'm Sam Kelly, and I'm joined this week by Andres. Hello. I am. I sometimes I I wrote an, an email as a joke that I was like a fireman. And today yeah. I, I am. Today is true. Um, yes. Indeed, yeah, I actually had to send Andres a text saying, please tell me you're on the way, because the others have all pulled out at the last minute. Uh, Peter uh, forgot that Independiente are playing this evening. Oh, so we can actually stick that on, because that's starting now. I thought we were going to have to watch these idiots talking and mute on the television for the next couple of hours. The match of the round 17 that has been postponed. Precisely, their game in hand against Defensive Justicia. Oh, we're just kicking off in 15 minutes, in fact, but let's stick the preview on now. Um, Remy has had a, a small, he, he informs me it's not a very urgent, but uh, it's sufficiently sufficient of an emergency to have to stay at home. So, Remy, if you're listening to this, I hope everything gets sorted out. And uh, Tony is, is stuck in the office and can't get away, unfortunately. So, uh, that's annoying, but here we are, anyway. Hopefully, Peter, at least, will be with us next week. Um... I would go over the results from the weekend in the league, but there weren't any matches. Oh, I've put that onto the non-HD channel. It looks bloody awful, doesn't it? But there weren't any matches uh, over the weekend, of course, in the league because of the international break. So instead, let's go over the international results. They were Argentina 1, Brazil 0 in the Melbourne Cricket Ground and Singapore 0, Argentina 6 in somewhere, whatever the stadium's called in Singapore. The National Sports Hub of Singapore. It's more than a... The football stadium is a sports hub. That's the way they present it. And okay. As they also, there are also different competitions, different sports competitions like swimming even. Even and uh, uh, yes, it's really a, a magnificent stadium. Not the national team, but the the, the stadium is awesome. Uh, I heard and I I watched a video in which they. They say that they can move the the tribunes, the the stands, by pushing a button or uh, wow. with some mechanism, they can move the, the stands, which is of course impressive. I was reading about Tottenham's new stadium earlier today, and it's going to split yes. up into three bits and move aside so they can yes. have an astroturf American football pitch. Yes, they can do that, and they. Um, this this stuff is all uh, light years ahead of what we have in Argentina. Yes. Of course, they they have also the like that, that uh, the same way that happens here, for example, with the River Stadium, Vélez Stadium, that to uh, host uh, important uh, music concerts like Coldplay, for mm. example. Uh, so it's a multi-purpose stadium more than a football. Yeah. Um, anyway, we we have got some uh, domestic results to mention as well, and since well, I don't think we're going to talk at great length about the Copa Argentina. Um, 
we, we will sort of mention one or two because there have been a couple of talking points so we'll, we'll talk to those, about those a bit later but just before we talk about the national team uh, I'll just go over the last week of results in the Copa Argentina last Wednesday I don't think we mentioned that Atletico de Rafaela got a 1-0 win over Almagro um, Sarmiento got a 1-0 win over Brown de Androgue Colón got a 1-0 win over Independiente Rivadavia of Mendoza Olimpo got a 1-0 win over Ferro um, and then the uh, it's really been a bit of a pattern all the way through this round of Primera sides a couple of them have been have been shocked and uh, most of them have sort of had fairly narrow um, often 1-0 wins over lower division sides Lanús bucked that trend slightly with a 5-1 win over Esportivo Barracas um, who are the team no. of Chiquitapia no no that is Barracas Central oh yeah right yeah of course thank you um, Atletico Tucumán uh, put all boys out on penalties after a 1-1 draw. Gimnasia La Plata went out to Defensores de Belgrano de Villa Ramacho, um thanks to a fantastic hit from Pablo, I think it's Pablo, isn't it? Salcedo, uh, from about 30 yards out, a big looping half volley, beautiful goal. Um, and then the possibly the biggest shock in the Copa Argentina's short history to date um, came on Sunday when Estudiantes de la Plata were put out 3-2 by Sport Club Pacifico of General Alvear and that was um, the match that resulted in one of the talking points that we're going to be talking about later. Newell's Old Boys beat Central Norte de Salta 4-1. Aldo Sibi beat Central Córdoba of Santiago del Estero 2-1. San Martín, oh wow, they got thumped by Atlanta, I haven't yes. noticed that. Uh, three, oh, I did notice that, in fact, at the time, and then I probably forgot about it. 3-0 uh, to uh, English Dan's lower division team here in the next barrio over in Bishop Prespo. And, and Guzman, who is in Israel, so he must be celebrating there. Of course, there. yeah, Gustavo, yeah. Um, so congratulations, Gustavo, if you're listening. Yes. Uh, Godoy Cruz beat Santa Marina uh, Club and Library Santa Marina of Tandil 3-0. And there are just the two ties left now in the current round. They're going to be played in... Oh, the dates haven't been set yet. San Lorenzo against Cipolletti of Rio Negro and Racing against Mitre of Santiago. That would be Santiago del Estero, I assume. Yes. It doesn't say SE, which it normally does, but yeah. Um, So there you go. We will, as I say, talk about a couple of the talking points a little later on. But first, the national team. Uh, Wasn't bad, was it? Considering we had to get up at seven o'clock in the morning to watch the Brazil game, well, I watched that game. Not the one that played. They played a bit later, uh, at nine a.m. Argentinian time, of course, against Singapore. Not only because of the arrival, but also because I I had to go to work at that time, and it was impossible for me to stay at and, and watch it home. Mm. And the Taste Sports Play service, which is a streaming service from these sports, it was awful. Uh, it was. Uh, 15 minutes late in the st- streaming and it, it was like cut by a few moments and then it went again so it was impossible to, to watch it uh, and yes it was interesting for a first step for a start uh, as for to start with it was uh, there were several uh, new faces uh, that could give fresher to the to the national team uh, of course, there isn't a lot of time. We have in two months' time the uh, two months time the, the the very important match against Uruguay for the for the qualifiers. And it's yesterday it was one year to the start of the World Cup, which 
just the 14th of June of 2018. So the time is something to with that uh, Saint Pauli will have to cope cope with. But uh, as if you analyze the the the, the collapse, the way they played at least the first half against Brazil, uh, yes, I think it was interesting. I thought that the um, it, that it was a very good um, performance generally. We were talking last week about the uncertainty around the formation. Eventually, it was a three-four-one, a three-four-two-one. Sorry, that Argentina started with uh, with Gabriel Mercado over on the left. That changed some way into the game when the right back, whose name Jose was Jose Gomez, thank you, Jose Luis Gomez, uh, got a minor injury. Am I right? No, he he or went off substituted. Off. He was just subbed off without replaced. Injury, yes, uh, by Nicolas Tagliafico, who therefore went to left back and Mercado moved over to right back. Um, and yeah, I thought it was a, a, a decent um, forward-looking performance in the first half, and then in the second we saw. Uh, one of the things that really marked Sampaoli out when he was Chile manager, certainly. Uh, I caught less of Sevilla uh, in the last season than I would have tried to if I'd known that he was going to get the job quite this quickly, of course. Um, but uh, enough to, to sort of see the certain amount of tactical diversity from them as well. Um, which was that in the second half, Brazil really picked things up and improved enormously. They, they were much more attacking and they were pushing very hard indeed for an equaliser. In fact, it was difficult to see how they hadn't already got an equaliser um, when about 20 minutes into the second half Sampaoli withdrew Paulo Dybala um, and replaced him with Guido Rodriguez the young uh, River Plate product who is currently at remind me Tijuana I thank think. you Tijuana if I am in, not wrong in Mexico um, and instantly I mean the, the game switched back it, it wasn't like Argentina was suddenly attacking all the time again but they, they looked a lot more comfortable from that point on they really won the midfield back um, and it's the kind of change that that is going to serve them or, or that they will hope is going to serve them very well as well obviously it's only a friendly it was against the second string Brazil side but you can only beat what's put in front of you and, and he did do yes and in Singapore even when the, of course you can't uh, give credit, credit to, the, to the rival because it's a very weak one, but I like, for example, the the to, for for uh, the the team to to have uh, Leandro Paredes there as a similar tasks that Pastore will will do if he will was there if he will have been called up because he's has the same style of play and I think he can give uh, along with Banega, for example, to to name a, a player with similar positions and, and functions. Uh, that can give uh, some new uh, style to, to, the, to the team. That's that's something that I can rescue from the Singapore, of course. Uh, the, the goals and the and the and the match itself is uh, not worth to analyze because uh, it was something that had to do with money, with the uh, with earn some money and and and, and for example, to show or to uh, see how the, the new players. Got get into the team like him, like uh, uh, Lanzini when he's not new for national team, but uh, uh, apparently he will go on being called up. Uh, then, well, Mamana, Facio, who scored the goal. Then Papu Gomez, Alejandro Gomez, the one who is at Atalanta and has played in a very very good uh, uh, season, the last season. So, in that point of view, it was interesting. It was something good. And there were changes that uh, somehow people were waiting for. 
not to call up all the time the same players, but to have new new ones that have to do with the idea of Sampaoli with uh, has with the team, not only that new players and put all them together, but to that those players uh, have to do with the, the idea that Sampaoli has for 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 the team. Indeed, and uh, crucially, you know the the selection for the Singapore game kind of underlined as well that he is actually genuinely looking at those players. It, it wasn't a mix of normal starters with uh, you know one or two youngsters who we already had an idea about. He he really gave everybody the chance to show what they could do. Um, and as you say, the the result, the competitiveness of the match. There's not really very much that you can read into it, um, but. It, it, it's going to help, I guess, to, to give those players a sense that they are in his plans and that there is a chance to, to fight their way into it. It was also, there was a certain amount of um, uh, reason to watch it because it was the first time in the history of the Argentine national team that five players, five different players, have all scored their first goals for their country in the same match. Um, so there you go, that was something that made it worth getting up for anyway, for me. Uh, sort of. Yes. If you're being generous. Um and yeah, not much else really. Lots of money. No, it's of course. Player, the, right? the, the, now the thing is to try to make those players, like for example, Correa, who I think he's, he's, I admit that he's someone I I couldn't, uh, I didn't have the opportunity to watch uh, a lot of matches, and it it gave me a good impression. Uh, uh, even when when he played against this match, we are talking about Singapore. Um, him with, for example, Pablo Gomez, they can be different options for for the offensive midfield, and I think it's something that Argentina uh, needed, independently of the rivals, independently of of uh, what will happen from from now on. Uh, we can say that it's not a change because it was a change. Mm. Indeed, and the other thing I was struck by was after the Brazil game. Um, in the press conference, Sam Pauli was saying, you know, the second half wasn't great. We, we, we fell off. We didn't do what we wanted to do. We didn't go out and seek the, look, look for the game to the same extent that we did um, in the first half. And I sort of thought, having been at a couple of Ricardo Bowser's press conferences, if, if that had been a Gado Bowser making his comments about that second half, it would have been all... Uh, we were brilliant in the second half. What are you complaining about? And, uh, I mean, maybe not quite to that extent, but I mean, possibly yes to that extent. Um, and so it was kind of refreshing just to, to see a manager who, would, who was happy to just say, "Yeah, we can improve. We're going to improve, hopefully." Uh, as an Argentine, that sort of self-criticism, let's say, has to be encouraging, right, for a manager? Yes. Uh, yes, of course. It's and apart from that, it's what happened in the match. If you say we played very well, and uh, when you had three posts, two or three. Uh, Shots from Brazil in the post, you are not serious. But uh, what, I wa- what I was go- uh, saying uh, was that um, these new faces, new players, what will make is for the ones who have been called up all these years is not to be relaxed, uh, to improve. Because if if they if they are safe and they think they are safe and they will uh, call up again and again. Uh, perhaps they they are like with the uh, relax and, and that that's that's not good. They, this this will I think make them improve too. Not only the players that are being called up right now as a first time, but the ones who have been with the team 
eh, like for example Maturano, well Agüero is not here but Sampaoli said that he will uh, talk with him or he has already talked with him and will be called up in the future so uh, Di Maria, Agüero, Higuaín, uh, Mascherano those players that are since a long time in the national team they, they will have to be alert and not be safe yes indeed um, the next thing that we will see from the national team of course is on the 31st of August when they are in Montevideo in Uruguay um, preparing for a World Cup qualifier which is really um, a bigger test than Singapore away I think it's yes. fair to say uh, no offence meant to any listeners in Singapore obviously um, and it's also much higher pressure than, than even than the Brazil friendly was because there's really no margin for error um, it's probably the hardest of the fixtures that Argentina have got left as well in their, in their World Cup yes. qualifying anyway Sampoli wants to play a, a friendly with the local players with the players from the Argentinian league uh, and but it's not confirmed still not confirmed but he wants to play uh, another match before the the, the of course important one uh, against Uruguay hmm. we'll see what happens because um, with the season obviously going on so much longer than it was supposed to because of the, the delay in the summer um, I think that that planned friendly might be clashing with with players' holidays, yes. basically. So we'll see whether it actually. Yes, because the six, seven, or eight of July will be the first uh, round of the the first leg of the round of sixteen of Copa Libertadores, and there are a lot of teams, of course, from Argentina playing. So we will have to. They will have to uh, see the schedule or the 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 calendar in order not to, of course. Uh, uh, to, to have a, a gap, an overlap between the, 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 these matches and the, the, the friendly he wants to play because most of the players that he wants to be in the national team will be playing that, uh, the Copa Libertadores. Yes, absolutely. Um, impressive points, I'm trying to remember who debuted against Brazil. Um, Correa and Guido Rodriguez, they, they were... Joaquin Correa, yes. Guido Rodriguez, uh, Nicolás Tagliafico, I think, must have done as well. Yes. Um, Emmanuel Mamana, of course, actually made his debut uh, ahead of the 2014 World Cup, but um, this was his, I think, first match that he's played for Argentina since then. Lanzini has already played, too, and right? Has he? <clears throat> I'm trying to remember, but I think he, he might and Marcos, be called up. And Marcos Acuna played one of the friendlies under Bowser yes. as well, didn't he? Um, so that's at least four and possibly five debuts against Brazil and then several others as well against Singapore um, on Tuesday and and it's I think probably that that's the the main lesson plus of course you've got uh, Mal Riccardi who didn't finish uh, didn't um, get onto the pitch because he was injured Um, it wouldn't have been his debut of course he played a few minutes of one match under Sabella to time to Argentina in the first place Um, but uh, it, it would be in in every sense apart from the most literal one it, it would have been his Argentina day. Uh, Nacho Fernandez it's another one ah well done thank you I knew that ah, no, but it was in Singapore that Sorry. was against Singapore but yes, yes that, that, I mean that's another good example yes. of the players that Sam Pauli is looking at and, and 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 the fact that he seems to recognise that there is a need for renewal in this squad um, Ezequiel Labetzi isn't going to be in the squad he's playing in China it's not a competitive league um Javier Mascherano, once he's fit, he's going to have to fight for a place at, at centre-back rather than in midfield because um, this Biglia-Banega axis, which played against Brazil, um, 
looks like being the the, the central pairing that uh, Sampaoli wants to base his midfield around. Um, but if not, then he clearly likes Guido Rodriguez a lot as well. And there are other options. People who are a bit better with their feet than Mascherano, maybe, or, or better at passing the ball on. Anyway, anyway hitting this card, Gavetzi uh, or, for example, Kunagüero, perhaps because it was correct for him not to say, I won't call them anymore publicly, and, and perhaps uh, uh, he uh, he has already decided not to call them up, but at least... Uh, As in the press conferences, he he said that <coughs> he will count on them, and he it's not that he won't call them anymore. We will see. Yeah, um, we will indeed, and and we'll be much wiser about this in uh, well. I was going to say in late August. We'll, we'll be much wiser about it at the start of uh, September because that Uruguay game is going to be finishing almost literally at the very end of August, um, and and how much it it. it uh, has an effect but the just the approach in both matches was vastly different to what we saw under Bowser um, particularly it, it was nice to watch speaking as somebody who went to two of those World Cup qualifiers under Bowser the, the first one and the Chile one um, and they were just you know you, you're trying to look for the positives in performances like that and it was it was kind of difficult and the, the way of, of, of uh, treating the ball I think it was different Uh, I, I watched or I, I observed that uh, it, from the back they only uh, threw the ball away when it was the only thing to do hmm. uh, the way, the, all the, all the times they could they tried to treat the ball uh, and try to have it uh, uh, to pass it to the other to the teammate that it was near and not to have a long or, or direct ball. Yeah, I, I tweeted actually after about 10 or 12 minutes of, of the Brazil friendly that the the main conclusion that we can draw from the way that this match has started, there's not an awful lot really to say. Um, but one thing that we can say is that Sampaoli has threatened to skin any Argentine player who plays the ball long from the back uh, because they were just, I mean, even when it didn't look entirely sensible to do so, they they were sticking to it and, and it was goalkeeper passing it to a centre-back centre-back maybe passing it back to the goalkeeper and then trying to find another way around um, and that's and clearly was, perhaps the one the the, the 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 only point in which we clearly can say that Guzman has a, an advantage against uh, Romero because mm. he has better footwork better pass that, than, than Romero and uh, if Sampoli sees that both are good goalkeepers but one has better uh, pass than the other one perhaps he can choose because of that we, we don't know indeed um, and yeah and then the other thing was the the swap of uh, the substitution of Higuain at half time against Brazil when Higuain really hadn't done very much in the first half but it was sort of surprising because the last two Argentina managers certainly Bausa and Martino um I don't think would have made that change. Whereas Sampaoli, even without an actual, with Icardi injured, without somebody else's an out-and-out number nine to replace Higuain, seemed to sort of be saying, well, you know, he didn't really do enough in that first half, so I'm going to give someone else a chance and send Correa on in his place. He could even uh, play with a num a not a number nine, which is a clear reference reference in attack that is in the in the box, but to have more uh, offensive midfielders or creative midfielders than to have a clear uh, attacker or a striker that is the, the Iwain or, or the another, for example, could be Icardi, the, the finisher. Uh, and perhaps he could play with uh, 
more creative or, or offensive midfielders. Mm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so it's a promising start. We'll have a couple of listeners' questions, I'm sure, about the um, about the national team a little later. So let's move before the break to the Copa Argentina, which has made a few headlines today, in fact, because um, that Esportivo Esport, uh, what are they called? I've forgotten them already. Um, where are the bloody... Uh, Esport Club Pacifico, 3-2 win over Estudiantes. Um caused some controversy today when on radio uh, what was the guy's name Federico Allende was it? Yes Fernando Allende something like that Federico Allende I think something beginning with an F and ending with an O and the surname was Allende um, went on the radio and said uh, that he had had a two pins or needles I think actually this was last night that he said it wasn't it um, st- stuck in his um, in his shin pads and he was getting them out and well one of them he said he lost and uh, the other one he was he, he was getting out and poking Estudiantes um, forwards with during the match when the referee wasn't looking, um, which is, uh, historically speaking, perhaps, Estudiantes don't have much of a right to, to complain, that, yes, because that's a trick that they invented yes. back in the late 60s on their victorious 1967 Copa Libertadores winning run. Um, but so Elian Milardo's book. Indeed. Uh, but in terms of the um, uh, the ethics of how football ought to be played, I think they're, they're within their rights to go, no, come on, it's 2017, we shouldn't be playing that anymore. Um, and the president of Esport Club Pacifico um, immediately said that he was going to fire the player. We don't know whether he actually has done yet, or indeed whether he actually is going to. But he said that it um, besmirches the name of the club, and so he's, he's going to be let go. Fingers crossed he does. Because yeah. that would be quite a turn up for the books if an Argentine club president actually decided to yes. do the right thing. Well, uh, I understand in a way the, the, of course, perhaps he's only smoke and, and he wanted to to be good and, and, and say this because he was uh, in the media. But I understand in, if if he's angry because uh, it's the only match in the history of sport Alvear Sport Club Alvear that he play they play against a, a preferred division team. They they win that match and this. Things can, oh, oh, can be more important than the, the than the, the victory, mm. uh, and uh, that's something that they can't permit. Of course, uh, then we will see, as you said, if he fires the player or he's or he finds him. Uh, but I understand it because of that. Then there was another thing that has to do more with football. Mm. That uh, after that defeat, Nelson Vivas, of course, resigned because it was. A very very big defeat for them, yeah. and after that, uh, Juan Sebastián Verón, the president, the right now the president, because he even uh, thought of, uh, on, on on resigning as a president. Yeah, uh, he named or he tried to name uh, Lucas Nardi, uh, the, the the coach of the reserves, as the new coach at least for a moment, momentaneous coach. And but they there were. Uh, some tweets, old tweets, apparently from his account of Twitter, Twitter account from 2014, that after Argentina won against uh, Netherlands in the in the semi-finals of the World Cup, mm. saying that he hates Villardo and he was happy because of the victory for the players and, and well, uh, that that things he said uh, about Villardo uh, 
made the, the supporters go to the venue, the, the social venue. Because Bilardo's a huge fan favourite, Estudiantes, yes. partly of because of what we just mentioned a couple his, of minutes ago about yes. how he invented it's stabbing people. Part of so. histo- history of Estudiantes. Yeah. Saying that, uh, made the, the supporters become very angry going to the social venue or the office or the well the building uh, protesting because of that and Verón was ob- mostly obliged to to decline to, to yeah, uh, well to, uh, to withdraw the offer Verón yes. um, actually well Nanadi says that he had nothing to do with the sending of those tweets um, as I suppose you would in, in yes. this situation Verón says that he's spoken to him and that he believes Nanadi um but that we live in a very intolerant society and that therefore he now can't, even though he believes that Narani didn't send these tweets himself, he can't employ him uh, because of the repercussions that it could bring on to, I guess, the club, but also particularly the manager, Beron seemed to be suggesting. And yeah, you're right, he, he was almost in tears in the press conference and he said that, um, that uh, it's the kind of thing that makes him start thinking about uh, just leaving Pity. football altogether. Yes which when you consider what Juan Sebastián Verón has done for Estudiantes, not just as his, in his brief spell as club president, but really throughout his life, um, and certainly throughout his career in professional football, yes. um, even when he was in Europe, sending money back to, to help the club to build new training facilities and stuff, uh, it's remarkable that, uh, that he can feel this pissed off with, with the fans of, <laughs> of the club. Um, well, but there is it's something clear that uh, you can't. You, of course, I understand supporters being angry with a, a coach that uh, said or said or not. Well, it's uh, the, there were some tweets from his account saying that he hated someone who is part of history of the of the club, but not letting him work there when he has already worked and part of the players that are in the first division like Ascasivar and Foyt are because of his work. Uh, his, job, his job and has has been doing a good job now because he said in in some tweets that he hated Bilardo and that uh, well it's I, I think it's a bit too much but uh, it's Argentine football and we are used to these things unfortunately yeah indeed we are um, I'm just having a very quick look down the the Olay homepage to find out whether there are any other talking points that we've missed I don't really it's want to have to go over Tevez against Riquelme I'm hoping there's something else that we can say. Um, there's been a very tiresome argument today on television between Carlos Tevez and Juan Roman Riquelme, um, which has led a lot of the television people today to have debates on Twitter and on their shows and everything all day, saying, oh, who's, yes. the, who's the bigger idol in Boca's history? Which is a ridiculous thing to say because everybody knows who the bigger idol in Boca's history is. Um, it's Riquelme, in case you which, don't know. Something, there is something that is true between... Uh, well, not because Tevez says uh, said this, but uh, uh, in the uh, lately when uh, Boca played awful matches or, or lost against River or River won the, for example, Copa Libertadores or the or or, or the Copa Sudamericana, Riquelme uh, appeared on TV talking about uh, River and how the way the the how well River played and and how bad Boca was playing and. And that, of course, can be uh, something that uh, annoys, annoys the, the, the supporters or even the players or, or, or Tevez, that who is not right now at Boca. But well, uh, to to build uh, like a, uh, some kind of soap opera only because of that is a big uh, well 
another thing that we are used to and uh, yes all, all of the uh, TV shows uh, or sport programs were more uh, talk shows mm. uh, talking about this and, and well all of the uh, afternoon yeah um, I've just while scrolling down seen that uh, Beron now says that um, uh, Gustavo Matosas who uh, is currently with Cerro Porteño in Paraguay is one of the favourites for the Estudiantes job which of course is still vacant at the moment um, just to complete what we were saying earlier about uh, Lucas Nanadi um, and we've also had the rather more interesting than Tevez and Beron uh, Tevez and Riquelme gate um, we can talk a little bit about FIFA gate because a um, an ex-director of the Credit Suisse Bank um, says that he was in charge of a, lo- a bunch of false bank accounts in Switzerland um, which were set up to receive bribes and he says that Julio Grondona was the person who set it all in motion basically, obviously Grondona used to be in charge of FIFA's finances when he was still alive yes. um, so that's interesting well, being a vice president uh, the vice president of a uh, of an organization that has been accused and well it, it was demonstrated that they had a corruption problem of course he will be involved it's nothing surprise no indeed no surprise but it's interesting to have more details yes. about just what he was doing and especially given that you know a lot of this is stuff that we've all been telling you since underpod has been online for seven years and it's only really come out in the last couple of years Defensius DC have just scored halfway through the first half against Independiente to go 1-0 up um, Apparently so Barbosa nice. is the one who scored uh, the centre back. <coughs> who he he will have to come back to River when he's uh, by the end of the season because he's on loan. Oh yes, isn't it? I keep forgetting that. Yes, and uh, well, Ashardo will have to decide whether he stays or not in the, with the team. But yes, 22 minutes or 23 minutes, and Barbosa scored. So, Independiente's um, previously impressive defence is breached again. Well, after Boca was the first defeat and now it will be the second one. With yeah. Holland in, in the bench. Um, and a good result for Sebastián Bacacese, Bicacheche, of course, who was in Singapore just last week. And we thought that they were gonna, he was going to be missing this game as a result, but he's on the bench today. Yes, so. that's why they play today, because if not, they will... Oh, it was supposed to play yesterday, were they? Yeah. Or, uh, that makes more sense. Okay, excellent. Uh, so they got it delayed. That was always the more sensible option anyway. Um, I think that we're... Yes, 40 minutes, that means that we can um, take a break. It's not actually been quite 40 minutes by the time you've been listening to yeah. this, because I've had to cut a couple of bits. Um, but we will take a break and we'll refill our glasses... And we'll come back for a second half, which will largely consist of listeners' questions and possibly a couple of other things that we might remember. And Independiente have just equalised straight away. That's a thumping finish from the edge of the box. Um, from Nelly Dominguez. Thank you very much. I'm, you're much better at remembering people's first names than I am. I just look yes. at the surnames. Um, so don't go away.
Okay, we've had a fair few listeners' questions, so I managed to start talking just as that motorbike decided to rev its engine there. Sorry about that. We've had a fair few listeners' questions, so we'll just go straight into them, I think. It's going to be quite a short episode this week. Yes. Remarkable. We've only got two games to talk about. What well, we can get through, isn't it? Tom Robinson begins, and as I said, we've had a few again about the national team. No surprise. He says, who would you like to see as the starting full-backs or wing-backs at Russia 2018, provided that Argentina get there? I would go for Gabriel Mercado at right-back, or right-wing-back. Um, and I'm tempted to say Tagliafico at left-back. I don't really know how... He still played a single match or a part of it, but... Yeah, and it was against Singapore, but I mean, form-wise, I've, I've not seen as much of any of the guys in Europe. And Sally is injured, I think, and he has already hadn't played the, uh, in, at Inter, where he is, mm. and he only hasn't played a single minute or only a few matches at, at, at Milan, and he wants to leave. Um, and then there is no a lot. Of, no, there, there aren't a lot of right, uh, left backs to choose from. So no. if Tagliafico gets some, well, of course there won't be any matches uh, uh, except for his uh, supposed uh, friendly that Sampoli wants to play. And then it's Uruguay mm. in the qualifiers. And yes, that the test will have to be there in the qualifiers. Yeah. Uh, so yes. If, if he can get some matches, uh, at least in the qualifiers, I would say Tagliafico too. Yeah, and alternatives uh, right back, alternatives to Mercado. Jose Luis Gomez is, is the obvious one who started um, in that position against Brazil with Mercado on the left, which I doubt is going to be a permanent. Peruzzi was named um, that he could be called up, but he's not playing well at Boca even. No. No, exactly. Um, and so th- th- there's this sort of a bit of a shortage well in fact there's been a shortage for a few years but there's a bit of a shortage certainly at the moment of, of even alternative options um, to, to to Mercado at, at right back I, th- I think that Gomez is is a decent backup um, he's going to be pushing very hard for to become first choice um, ahead yes, of, of course Mercado discarded, I particularly think if he gets a, a move to Europe yes. but um, we can say Sabaleta is discarded by, right now hmm. I think so. I mean, I think his age, as much as anything, you know, yes. he's, he's been a fantastic player for Argentina. Um, but yeah, it, it, it has to be. He's part to. of the old uh, school, we'll say. Yeah. Uh, Tom also asks after the Sport Pacifico shenanigans, what are your other favourite dark arts from Argentinian football history? Well, we mentioned Estudiantes. Um, I don't know whether favourite or least favourite, really. The rat- Ratin, perhaps against England. At Argentina, yeah, but he wasn't that dirty, was he? It seemed to be more of a misunderstanding than anything. No. Yes. And Ratin, otherwise, was always a gentleman, or so we hear yes. from yeah. everybody who, who has an opinion on it. Um, and no, otherwise, I would say the, the, the that old story about uh, Independiente fans breaking into Racing Stadium. They be done. They be done. The water that was not uh, that Paul. Uh, real water against oh, Brazil, against Brazil in, in 1990. Yeah, yeah. That that would be. Well, Bilardo was there, uh, so. <laughs> but I, I think that my favourite one, because nobody really gets hurt or has anything bad done to them, was Independiente fans breaking into Racing Stadium and burying cats in the pitch. Mm. That, that's probably you know, and, and plus it's uh, closest to uh, this idea of dark arts, and black magic, 
stuff. Yeah, today there is a, there are a lot of things that are called like the the air folklore, like the pig in the stands that when River played against Boca <laughs> and there were the, the two the supporters from the two clubs or the two teams, or the babies that uh, I think the Rosario Central supporters threw to the to the stadium to the pitch with the news T-shirts. You mean dolls, right? Dolls, not, not yes. actual babies. No, 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 no. Dolls, because <laughs> that would be horrendous. Even dolls, by Argentine sorry, standards. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> that was recently, not uh, some time ago. It was in the last two week, two rounds, I think. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. I remember it now. You said it. But it's more has to do with more, more with making fun of someone or well, the, uh, the other team rivals, and not doing something really bad. No, indeed. Which is. That goes too far as well sometimes, but I think that's that's what I prefer. Yes. As long as no one gets hurt, that's the main thing. Uh, Ron the Tron asks, "What do you guys feel about lots of new faces and their chances to make it to the 2018 World Cup, assuming Argentina qualify?" I think it's good. I, I think we're seeing a, lot, a bunch yes. of you know what, one of the few positives that I think they can take out of Singapore, as I said, um, is is the fact that you're seeing a bunch of, of players who are given the chance to show what they can do in a match which okay counts as a full international and you've got the the manager of the team looking on um, and, and considering and, and, and that. The other thing that I, I didn't really mention before was that I do think that the important thing about the Singapore game was much less than the match was the fact that it obliged the clubs to release their players for another few days to train with, with the manager which is vital for San Paoli at this early stage. Um, and so yeah I think that the fact that these are the players who he chose um, to begin that process with even when there are some who he didn't call up because they've had long seasons at their clubs in Europe uh, even when uh, Messi and one or two others were were given the time off as soon as the Brazil game was over and and were told that they could could head back to wherever they wanted to head back to um, the, the the players who were included are still going to to begin to feel like they're part of the group and like and like they can be part of the group even if they're not expected to be permanent fixtures. Um, and yeah, I mean the squad's need of renovating and it's need of renewing, and we've been saying that for some time now. Um, and so the fact that that renewal has now started is it can only be be a good thing from Argentina's point of view. In my yes, opinion. and as I said, I think that this makes the com- the competition between the players the 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 intern competition better because uh, of course Aguero, Di Maria, Iguain, uh, Mascherano perhaps will continue with the, with the team but they won't be for sure in the starting eleven. Mm. so they will have to make a, an, an extra effort to uh, because uh, even uh, unconsciously when you have no competition no where no you have no other player besides you Perhaps you you unconsciously relax, and this is good for them, also. Not only for the new ones and for the team to be a, to have a fresh air, perhaps. Yeah, indeed, they start to feel a little less uh, well relaxed, as you just said. Yeah. Um, Ron also mm-hmm. said he adds, "It seems San Paoli has brought belief and life to the team." I would agree. And then he says, hypothetically, how would he manage Mascherano and Icardi in the same dressing room? Um, it doesn't seem to be something that he is too worried about because he named both of them in the squad. Yes. Remember, Mascherano was only um, eventually left out of the squad due to injury. It wasn't anything to do with refusing to be called up. And all of the players, every time they're asked about this relationship, they always say, 
No, it's just a media invention. I mean, um, I think man- maybe there's the possibility that it is just a media invention and that actually... Well, <laughs> I think that fine. there will be a real problem if Maxi Lopez uh, will have been there, uh, not Mascherano. And, and of course, player, the players have, may have if, their opinion. If, if Maxi Lopez was anywhere near the Argentine national team, then yes, Argentina would have a problem. Yes. Not, not necessarily the one that you mean. But of, yeah. of course, but it's something that has to do with private life between Maxi Lopez, Guananara, Icardi... Uh, not with Mascherano, not with uh, Di Maria, not with Messi, and of course they have, they may have their opinion, and it's not good to steal uh, the, the the wife of another player or, or whatever. But uh, th- that opinion ends when the, that player uh, can help them to have a better team or or, or to score goals. I, I mean, uh, that can't uh, pro- uh, may make a uh, the team to have uh, or not to have a player because they have the, the uh, an opinion that maybe the one that of course yes it's bad to 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 do the things that uh, Icardi did or well but that's an opinion not something that can make a decision out of that. Yeah, indeed. Um, Chris Murtag has sent in some predictions, so he's going to be taking me on um, with his predictions later on in, in Mystic Sam to uh, Trevor Hayward. I will just. Uh, say unlucky but if you want to tweet your predictions in um, for round 29 ooh, hang on are we going to manage a podcast next week we might not uh, keep an eye out on the hand of pod twitter um, because there's a midweek round next week so we might not record next week um, and Trevor if you want to, to challenge me whenever we next do it then go for it but I'm going to go with Chris's because uh, he got there first um, Darren Paul asks what do we make of the twitter <laughs> user interface update is bloody awful in his opinion um, I hadn't really noticed it until we logged on to this because I, I just use TweetDeck when we're not recording I think which you all should as has well more, has more to, it's, it has to do with more visual yeah, change I, I think it looks slightly nicer I am surprised that they as I said to Andres before we started recording uh, that they didn't um, inform any of the companies on Twitter who have square Twitter avatars that they were about to change it just overnight into round ones uh, the hand of pod one is going to have to be updated because it's, it's cut the um, text office I'm going to have to do something with that but yeah apart from that I don't mind it um, he also says Argentinos Juniors lost to Independiente Rivadavia away and they now have a four point lead and he asks is Diego Milito becoming a manager as per Victor Blanco who's the president of Racing and says Diego Milito is going to be a manager Sebastian Garcia, a very occasional um, team member and, and slightly more occasional um, uh, companion in the eating of meat when we occasionally meet up for an asado, says that it's uh, points out that it's the, the, the Spanish or the Argentine Spanish word manager rather than the English word manager. Um, so it's basically he's going to be a director of football for racing, basically. Yes, but there, there have been something, of course. Uh, uh, a controversy between Milito and the and Victor Blanco, the, the, the president, mm. because apparently Victor Blanco or or some board members announced that Milito would be the, the the director of football, not the manager, but the director of football or the secretary of football, uh, and Milito said that no one talked with him. So <laughs> apparently it has been announced announced, but uh, the most important part that is talk with the the, the, the one who would be the, the sport director, uh, well, they hadn't done that, so uh, 
there is a like a controversy between Milito and the and the directors of Racing. Indeed, uh, Darren also sends us. <laughs> this has to be a Photoshop job, I think, uh, which purports to be. Um, a conversation on WhatsApp between Viktor Blanko and Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Um, the reason I assume that it's a Photoshop job is is that the English just it has to be a joke because it's just too funny otherwise. Plus, I'm assuming I mean Zlatan played for Barcelona for a season. I'm assuming he speaks enough Spanish to understand it when it's written down to him. Um, he says, uh, "I see Blanco is after Zlatan. Surely a shoe in. Who would be the dream European signing for your club?" Um, obviously Darren sent this to uh, the, the Hand of Pod thing that I sent out saying that Remy was going to be here and that uh, Tony was going to be here as well it's just two river sympathisers here now um, but depending on what you mean by European I mean the default option has to be Messi right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you can get him then of course that, but if you mean a European player um, who would you? which European would you like to see at, at River? Well even when he has already retired and he's not more in activity Francesco Totti. Mm-hmm. In spite of his age as well? I suppose not. If he, he uh, yes, I know that he... Uh, I mean because of the player, not on, not not because of the age. Or, or In fact, he has already retired in some weeks ago. But uh, I liked the way he played. And, and that he stayed for 25 years in, in, in the same team. Uh, having just mentioned Totti's age, I'm going to go for a, a, an oldish player as well. Although, actually, no, he's young. He's, he's a month younger than me. Um, he, he looks about 10 years older than me, it's true. But he is one month younger, in fact. Um, I'll say Andres Iniesta. I think he'd be an excellent... I, I think... Yeah. I think as a, as a River fan, you'd happily swap Iniesta for Nacho Fernandez. Let, let Nacho go to Barcelona. Yes. Iniesta come to us. Everybody's the, happy. The Nacho Fernandez will be the Iniesta, Argentine Iniesta will be well, saving the differences, of course, Indeed. of the the quality of both players. But yes, I, I would just point out in case anybody is only half listening to this while I don't know preparing something to eat or something that we're not actually suggesting that Nacho Fernandez has been linked to Barcelona. Um, no. But if he does end up going to Barcelona, then you heard it here first. Uh, especially if it happens as a swap deal with Andres Iniesta. Will Clunas says, how happy or unhappy will the Argentine teams be with their Copa Libertadores and Sudamericana draws? We are specifically recording on this Thursday evening, um, rather than normal Wednesday, so that we could give you our opinions on this. And we left it this late because I already saw earlier on that Will had asked this question. So now we can go over them. The Copa Sudamericana last 32, so in Spanish it's the 16th of final, have been drawn. I'm not going to read all of them out. I will just read out the ties that involve Argentine teams. They are Racing versus Deportivo Independiente Medellín of Colombia, who, of course, are the team who finished third in River Plate's um, Copa Libertadores group. Estudiantes de la Plata, who finished third in their own Copa Libertadores group, are playing Nacional Potosí of Bolivia. Independiente have a tie against Deportes Iquique of Chile. Uh, Huracán play Libertad of Paraguay. Arsenal de Sarandia playing Sport Recife of Brazil. Atletico Tucumán have to play Oriente Petrolero of Bolivia. And Defensa y Justicia, who you will remember, dumped out continental giants San Paulo in the last round in hilarity, um, are playing the defending champions of the Copa Sudamericana, Chapicoense. Um, how happy do we think that they're going to be with all of those? I mean, Racing versus Dim is the tie that stands out the most to me there. 
in, yes. in terms of what could end up just being two really good matches. Should be tight, but I, I expected more for in the Benjamin Medellin in the uh, group of mm. group three of Copertores. So uh, I don't know if whether it will be that difficult. Of course, it's uh, if you hear or you read Racing is independent again should be a, a very a very even uh, round but uh, the way I, I watched that independent again played even when they won against River they were River was already qualified mm. in the Monumental I think I, I expected more uh, yeah I mean I, I would think that if there is an argument for, for Dean there then it might just be that having come here fairly recently to Buenos Aires having beaten River there even though River didn't actually seem to care much um, psychologically therefore coming to Buenos Aires and getting a win is something that they've done already but even then you know Racing are going to be much more up for the home leg of that tie um, for their home leg of that tie I should say um, than, than River were for that match when they'd already won the group and had a big league game coming up and stuff um, but that to me looks like the, the most interesting of those ties because in the others Huracan against Libertad it's another uh, difficult one it, it, it's difficult in as much as Huracan is so inconsistent that you can't really call it either way yeah. but I would think Libertad will be favourites for that really yes. um, Sport Recife have to be favourites against Arsenal this Arandi. I know that Arsenal scored Eight goals in in the last uh, in their previous round tie, including six in the second leg, um, to knock Juan Al reach out. But a decent Brazilian side, um, I would expect to be better than a mid-table um, Peruvian team. Uh, I mean, that's not any slight on Peruvian football, but we saw that Juan Al reach out demonstrably an awful side because they let six goals in against Arsenal, who at the time had scored six goals all year um, before that match. Um, Atletico Tucumán against Oriente Petrolero could be interesting. I, I would fancy Atletico Tucumán in that one, given the way that they performed in the group stage in the Libertadores. They were slightly unfortunate not to do enough to, to qualify. Well, Atletico Tucumán, who, who are the ones that Atletico Tucumán defeated in the in the attitude? It was Nacional, Nacional de Ecuador, or who was the team? Which was the team? Uh, it was... Oh, God. Let me remember. Hang on a second. Let me look it up on... Um, In the playoff of the Copa Libertadores. Yeah. I mean. Just just try and uh, keep talking while I load the pages, yes. Andres. Yes. I, I, I know that they played in the attitude and they won and they... It was that match... Yes, I think it was El Nacional, uh, if I am not wrong. Because it, it was the match that they weren't able to have their, their kids... And, and they used the under twenty national oh you're right yeah yeah national was, team let me see uh, so I think it was against them uh, we've got the page up now so in a second I'll be able to tell you they played yeah El Nacional they yes. they drew two two in Tucumán and then beat them one 0 in the yes. in the second leg yeah of course I've completely forgotten about that with the Ecuadorian ambassador. <laughs> WhatsApping people at the ground saying, don't shove the rules down our throat now, just get the game on. Uh, yeah, that was hilarious. I totally forgotten about it. Um, so, yeah, I would uh, fancy Atletico Tucumán to, to get past Oriente Petrolero. And Defensa Justicia versus Chapicoense could be interesting if Defensa Justicia play above themselves. But crucially, Beca Cheche is going to have left the club by them because he's leaving at the end of this season to join. Um, 
Jorge Sampaoli's backroom staff at the national side full time. We and have so to it's watch. Depend who, who they find. Yeah, and person. we have to see what happens with, for example, the Chapecoense will, uh, and the decisions they make. We have to remember well, against Lanús the, that they uh, included a player that weren't available or well. I they would think that they've learned their lesson from that now, though. Yeah. Um, and I mean, they've started the Brazilian league season brilliantly. Um, they're only in the Sudamericana because of that that bad decision. It's not because of anything, you know, footbally. Uh, in terms of how they've been playing, they've, they've been playing fairly well. Um, I think the Chapecoense are going to edge Defensivo Justicia out in that one. But after what Defensivo Justicia did to São Paulo, it wouldn't be a huge and then, shock. And then Estudiantes, I think, and Independiente and Estudiantes will pass through also. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I'd agree. I think both of the Argentine sides in those ties look fairly comfortable and Huracan Libertad therefore is as you said is it, it's an interesting one to call purely because as ever with Huracan in knockout competitions you just never quite know which Huracan team is going to turn up they they well they passed with a miracle almost against uh, uh, Portivo Anzuategui yeah. scoring four brilliant match after defe- uh, being defeated 3-0 yeah. in, the, in the first level so. so that's that's the Sudamericana I'm pretty sure that the next round <coughs> of the Sudamericana gets drawn separately that um, they just do more draws for each round. What that doesn't happen, however, what that doesn't. Happen. I'll try that sentence again. That same thing does not happen, however. There we go. Um, in the Copa Libertadores, which from this year onwards has a straight, the whole of the knockout phase has now been drawn. It was drawn yesterday, along with the Sudamericana, um, and so we have the complete tree of the rest of the competition left. So the last sixteen. Um, I'm going to give you the. Uh, I'll read out the fixtures, and each of these fixtures are the team that I named first are the team who are at home in the first leg. So the second named team won their group and therefore have the second leg in their own stadium. Okay? Good. So the fixtures are Guarani versus River Plate of Argentina. Um, the winners of that will play Jorge Wilsterman versus Atletico Mineiro. Then it's the strongest versus Lanús. Sorry, I've got that mixed up. Oh, no, I haven't. No, no. I'm, I'm confusing myself. The strongest versus Lanús. Um, and Emelec versus San Lorenzo. Atlético Paranaense versus Santos. And Barcelona versus Palmeiras. Godoy Cruz versus Gremio. And Nacional versus Botafogo. Um, the quarterfinals will be River or Guarani against Wilstermann or Mineiro, the strongest or Lanús against Emelec or San Lorenzo, and then the winners, that, that's one half of the draw, so the winners of those quarters will play each other in the semi. And then in the others it'll be Atletico Paranaense or Santos versus Barcelona or Palmeiras, Godoy Cruz or Gremio versus Nacional or Botafogo. So if all of the Argentines win... Uh, all of their ties then we're going to end up with a semi-final consisting of River against either Lanús or San Lorenzo and Godoy Cruz in the other semi-final will be playing just looking at who's most likely to win those ties I would think either Palmeiras or Santos um, obviously that's not likely to work out You're, quite that way you, you say that Barcelona hasn't, doesn't have a chance against them I'm saying they don't have a chance. I'm just saying I would make Palmeiras favourites for the, ah, okay. the tie, given how Palmeiras did in the group stage. I, I would be glad if Barcelona passes through. Of course, I don't say that they will, because if not, there will be a lot of all of perhaps Brazilian sides, and perhaps they will be four quarterfinals 
Yeah, from Brazil. Indeed. Uh, how do we think that the Argentine sides are going to be thinking? I mean, Godoy Cruz knew that they were going to have a, a, a tough tie for them anyway. It's their first mm. ever continental competition, remember? Um, so against Gremio, I guess they'll sort of be thinking as well. You know, it's as good as against anybody else, really. They've already played a. They were in Palmeiras' group, I think, if I remember rightly. Um, in fact, hang on, what am I saying? I've got the. <laughs> the statistics no, they, they were against Sport Boys and. I don't remember the other two, but uh, not Palmeiras. Well, Atletico Mineiro, that was it. So th- they managed 11 points um, in a group yes. with Libertad and Atletico Mineiro. So they'll be sort of thinking, well, you know, like I said, we were going to end up with a what felt like a tough group anyway, so no worries. And if they get to the quarterfinal, Nacional versus Botafogo is the other, be their opponents, and that's a little bit friendlier, I guess. Botafogo... Uh, I'm trying to remember how did Botafogo do oh they, they, they won Estudiantes group which was a very tight group indeed um, and so yeah Godoy Cruz will be feeling fairly relaxed about it the pressure's off the other sides River I think happy with the last 16 tie against Guarani but if they get through then they've probably got a quarter final against Atletico Mineiro which um, the would first be the second leg would be in Belo Horizonte yes uh, so they finish the first of the first yeah exactly um, and then if they reach the semi-final if that semi-final is against Lanús then Lanús will have the second leg at home as well um, so it, it's it's tricky yes. for River uh, yes. in fact and uh, anyway it's Lanús or San Lorenzo as I I think I mentioned or I said which is not something very uh, difficult to say because uh, for Argentinian sides there is a good thing to play against another Argentinian side which is not having to travel but the best, yeah. the worst part is that they know w- each other very well and uh, uh, for sure there will be very very tight uh, legs yeah but they have to get there first I mean both of them have got to go to to altitude no hang on no they haven't no Emelaker in Guayaquil aren't they yes. which is on the coast so no ignore that that was a, an English town Lima is a high altitude moment from me there um, except that I've just admitted it and immediately corrected myself for as he continued to insist. Long-term Hannapod listers will know what I'm on about. Um, the, Lanús have to go to altitudes. They've got to play the strongest, and the strongest, shockingly, this year, haven't been entirely shit away from home either. Um, so that becomes an interesting-looking tie to me. Unless Lanús really... Um, well, the first leg, sorry, is going to be in La Paz, isn't it? So unless Lanús can do something very good and, and impress there and then potentially really get on it and get their sort of foot down on the strongest throats right from the first minute of the second leg, um, that one could get interesting if the strongest can, can force something in the first leg because they're no longer just rolling over and losing every match away from home as they did for 40 years prior to, to last year yes. when they managed that win against San Paolo. Um, Emelec against San Lorenzo looks perhaps a little less interesting uh, I would make San Lorenzo favourites for that one yeah. more clearly than, than Lanús against the strongest given the what's at play um, but yeah I think that they'll all be confident all of the Argentine sides who got through uh, got through playing decent football um, you mean Godoy Cruz too? yeah like I said Godoy Cruz are going to feel or should feel in my opinion um, that there isn't really any pressure on them. Nobody's expecting them to do anything. It's their first ever continental type, um, campaign. They're playing against former winners of the trophy. So what if they don't get through? But if they do, fantastic. Mm. Um, and then they have, uh, as I said, a, a 
potentially a slightly more friendly um, quarter-final. But we shall see. But I, I think that they'll all be reasonably confident. But as I said, River, um, having enjoyed a very friendly, indeed, group stage draw and fairly fortunate draws for the last couple of years, really, in the Copa, um, that quarter-final against Atletico Mineiro, if it ends up being against Atletico Mineiro, is horrendous. And if it ends up being against Wilstermann, yes. then, OK, A, that would be hilarious. Um, but B, they'd be playing a team who've put Atletico Mineiro out. I mean, Atletico Mineiro, obviously River are, are one of the teams yes. to beat in this competition, but, but Atletico Mineiro are very much one of the others. Yeah, I know that, of course, if you want to to be the winners of the Copa Libertadores, you have to be prepared to defeat all of the teams and that. But I prefer, I prefer, uh, sincerely prefer... Atletico Mineiro in quarterfinals than in the finals. Uh, if you are yeah, going I'm to be eliminated, I prefer to do it in the quarterfinals than in the finals, and to be the the runners up, the runner ups. Sorry. Yeah. No, run, runners up is actually correct. Ah, okay. It's, yeah, it, it's a weird thing about English. Uh, one other thing that I just popped into my head while you were talking, which Mariano mentioned a while ago, and which I mentioned a couple of episodes ago, I think, um, but it's worth bearing in mind. Uh, is that the Brazilian clubs are the only clubs who are going to be playing the first leg of those ties. Um, uh, Matt Sharp, let's say. For the others, it's all going to be off friendlies and stuff because all of the other leagues in South America have a winter break coming up. Well, in Colombia and Venezuela, it's going to be a summer break, I guess. But, you know, everywhere else is the winter break. Um, Oh, in Ecuador. Well, if they're in the northern half of Ecuador, it'll be the summer as well. You know what I mean. They've got a mid-year break um, coming up. And the Brazilian league doesn't break, of course. So, uh, Gremio, when they play Godoy Cruz. Um, Atletico Mineiro, when they play Wilstermann. Uh, Atletico Paranaense play Santos, so that's not Brazilian tie, doesn't really matter. Palmeiras, when they play Barcelona. And Botafogo, when they play Nacional. Um, are all going to be that little bit sharper, because they will all have had competitive action <coughs> for the previous few weeks. And their opponents will have had a few preparatory... Um, like friendly, pre-season, yes. Perhaps a Copa Argentina match or two in the case of the Argentine. But clubs, the hilarious but thing about the uh, round of 16, and that's why the Argentinian sides were going to ask to postpone the, the 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 first legs, is that they play the first days of July, the first the first leg, yeah, and then the second one in the first day of August, one yeah. month after. So they will they will have to prepare for that single match, and then they will have a, perhaps another one one month of off because uh, the, I am talking about the Argentinian size, not a, not the Uruguayan or the or the uh, Ecuadorian or, or that that they will have uh, perhaps since August they won't uh, up to August they won't they, they won't have any local uh, matches no. uh, so it's it will be hard although I would expect the Argentine league to be starting up on that first weekend of August so the second leg would be coming in the midweek after. Um, but it wouldn't be a huge surprise if, if they decide to delay the season start until the second weekend of August because it's another season long season next now next year now isn't it they're not doing another transition um, so we'll see but it, it's you're right it's something that's, that they're going to have to consider and, and that some clubs might want us to play their first legs a little bit later but that's hopefully answered your question Will he also says please also go on a long jag about how cool the logo of Sholos, the team signing Gustavo Bo, is. Um, it, it, it's a nice badge, I suppose. It's a bit photorealistic for my taste, so they could do with a bit more monochrome. 
uh, a bit more contrast. But yeah, the, the bigger point in this, of course, is that Gustavo Bo um, has, is joining Tijuana. Yeah, he will be the teammate of Guido Rodriguez, the one we mentioned before. He will, yeah. Um, so, yeah. There Eight million dollars. I, I think there will be six clean million dollars for Racing. But they will have to... They've been, ta- they've been tweeting about that while we've been recording. I think that they've agreed that it's going to be three million up front and then another three million in six months' time or something like that. But not, of course, of that six million. I think that <clears throat> they will have to give a part to Olimpo and, well, River will, have, will receive another yeah. piece of... So it will be all, all of the six millions for Racing. Indeed. Uh, and we have... No, that's all the questions. Super. So, coming up now, after this next piece of theme music, is going to be, we're going to do Mystic Sam against, and this week it's going to be Mystic Chris, because from now on we're doing head-to-heads, if enough of you volunteer um, to predict each week. Um, So, don't go anywhere. Okay, here we go with the first predictions. I will just mention before reading these out uh, that the first of these matches is actually taking place in... uh, It's kicking off in about 40 minutes' time. So by the time you hear this, we will already know um, the first result of the ones that I'm about to read out because for some reason, Colombia San Lorenzo is being played on a Thursday night. Possibly because of the midweek round coming up next, I don't know. Here we go then. Me versus Mystic Chris. Um, Colon versus San Lorenzo. Both of us are going for a San Lorenzo victory. Uh, San Martin versus Tempele is next up. Chris is going for a draw in that one. I'm going to go for a Tempele win. Huracan versus Union. Chris is going for a draw and I'm going with an Huracan win. In Tacheres versus Gimnasia. Chris thinks that Tacheres will win and I think that it will be a draw. Banfield versus Rosario Central. Both of us agree. Looks like a draw. Arsenal versus Godoy Cruz. We both agree should be a Godoy Cruz win. Estudiantes versus Belgrano. Chris is going for a draw. I'm going for an Estudiantes win, in spite of the fact that they don't have a manager at the moment. I think they can manage that. Uh, pun intended. Atletico de Rafaela versus Quilmes. Chris says that Atletico de Rafaela will win it. I think it's going to be a draw. I'm sure that Chris would agree with me when I tell you do not watch that match. Aldo Civi versus Boca, we both agree, will be a Boca Juniors victory, which of course will put them inches away from the title. Vélez Sarsfield versus Sarmiento, Chris says a Sarmiento win, I say a draw. Newells versus Lanús, Chris says Lanús win, I say a draw. Patronato versus Tigre, Chris says a draw, I say a Patronato win. Independiente versus Olimpo. We're both going for an Independiente win in that one. Defensa Justicia versus Atletico Tucumán. Chris thinks Defensa Justicia will win it. I think it'll be a draw. And River versus Racing. I think it's going to be a River Plate win. Thus denying Boca the title this weekend at least. And Chris thinks that it's going to be a draw. Which, combined with the Boca away when we both um, predicted, I think would put Boca over the line, wouldn't it? Because yes. they're four clear at the moment. If they win, then... it'll be six and 
no, and, and River draw. Oh no, okay, so they, they wouldn't quite be confirmed if they draw. It would be confirmed, of course, if Boca win and River lose, uh, depending on how who are third, San Lorenzo. Depending on how San Lorenzo do as well. Um, so there we go. Those are our predictions for this week. Uh, that might be, not quite be the order that teams are actually playing in. We'll find out. Not sure. Um, join us again at some point. Like I already mentioned. Um, I think that we might not be recording next week because there are midweek matches and then immediately following there's another weekend of games. So it might be that Handapod 262 is in two weeks' time. It'll be nice to have a week off, won't it? Mid-season. Just sit around and watch some football and not have to talk about it. Then we will have to talk about 30 30 matches. Oh, yeah, yeah. The week after that, it'll be like a three-hour-long episode. But, you know, that's that's to worry about then. It's more Fernet for us to drink anyway. It's fantastic. As long as I let my girlfriend know that we'll be recording for longer. Um, We'll see you again in possibly one week, but far more likely two weeks' time, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. And good night from Andres. Good night, thank you. And from me, good night. (laughs) 